Seth, you're back, dude. Uh, didn't think I was going to miss you as much as I did. Um, My wife said the same thing. I, well, <laughs> I'm sorry, Maddie, but I may have one-upped you here. I don't know. I went through it. I had to post the first podcast by myself with a convoluted list of emails and passwords and yeah. misinformation. But that's the first my podcast bad. posted, and it was... We did it. Yeah. You did it mostly on that. I uh, definitely didn't set you up for the most success on that, I will admit. But, you know, you overcame. You conquered. Yeah. But, so. You know, we did it. We did it. We are now, we have two episodes released. Right. And now we're together. Together filming for the third. Three. Yep. Or filming. Recording the third. I guess you could say filming. Something like that. Um, welcome, everybody. Uh, this is episode three. Uh, post-Boundary Waters trip yep. for Seth. Um, before we dive into that, um, Seth, I, I want to ask you a quick question. Um, what happened and what is the full story on uh, the gentleman that got struck by lightning yeah. like five times, four we, times? We said we many. were going to circle back to that and then yeah. we didn't. So here we are cleaning up the loose end here. Yeah, so I looked him up and I was pretty much way off. On most of the details, but in the right direction. I underwhelmed the story, and it is much really? more crazier than I thought. So, All right, what are, what are we looking at here? The, the guy's name is Roy Sullivan. He was a national park ranger. Um, he lived in, like, 1912 to 1983. So he's been, he's been gone a while. I, he did not die of being struck by lightning, believe it or not, even though he is the Guinness world record holder for the person who's been struck by lightning the most. Imagine having that on yeah. your tool. Imagine having that on your tool belt. Some of his nicknames include human lightning conductor and human lightning rod. So, so what's the number? What are we looking at? Seven times this guy was struck by lightning. What? So <clears throat> I'm here on, on Wikipedia. You can you can look him up for the full story. I'm just gonna give some highlights here. So Roy Sullivan on Wikipedia so it says the first strike, um, April 1942, he was hiding from a thunderstorm in a fire lookout tower. The tower was newly built and had no lightning rod at the time. It was hit seven or eight times. Inside the tower, in quotes, fire was jumping all over the place. Sullivan ran out and just a few feet away received what he considered to be his worst lightning strike. It burned a half-inch strip all along his right leg and hit his toe and left a hole in his shoe. Oh my land! Yeah, so that's the first. So then it goes on. He so got not struck. only is he bombarded. Oh yeah, inside of the, the scene, tower he runs was struck out for seven safety. or eight times. I can't imagine being somewhere where something is struck by lightning once, yet alone seven or eight times. Yeah, okay. and then he I. was finally struck. Then he was struck again in 1969, 1970, 1972, 1973. Pretty much every year, this dude was struck by lightning like every year. In uh. Popular themes and pretty much all of them. Um, and he got his shoe blown off quite a bit, it seems. And his hair caught on fire quite a few times. So I'm just going to read the last one as well. It was a Saturday morning. 
June 25, 1977, Sullivan was struck while fishing in a freshwater pool. The lightning hit the top of his head, set his hair on fire, <laughs> traveled down, and burnt his chest and stomach. Sullivan turned to his car when something unexpected occurred. Now, this is where it really gets crazy. And I don't know if this is made up. At this a, point, you got to But according to Wikipedia, it's, it's on here. Okay, when something unexpected occurred, a bear approached the pond and tried to steal trout from his fishing line. Sullivan had the strength and courage to strike the bear with a tree branch. He claimed that this was the 22nd time he hit a bear with a stick in his lifetime. So this dude, he's out fishing, just enjoying a nice day, gets struck by lightning, is like, oh, I better go get the water from my car so I can put my hair out. And then a bear attacks the fish he caught, and he fights it off. Just, just, what a man. What a, what an absolute maniac. This makes my blob fantasy not that far off. I mean, this guy is out here getting struck by lightning and then hitting a bear defending his fish with a stick. I mean. Roy Sullivan, you're an animal. Rest, yeah. Rest in peace, my what friend. What a monster. The fact, like, it, it was like every year. 1942, 1969, 1970, 72, 73, 76, 77. At that like, point in time, he's up there in age, right? Yeah. I I mean, he was born in 1912, so 1977, that's what, 65? And he, he, and he died in 83? Yeah. So 77, he's like right near the end of his life. I just, I, that's incredible. The picture, he looks like, imagine an old park ranger in the 80s. Okay. Oh. Got yeah, it's exactly what he looks that's like. He, yeah, he he. I mean, he was that, but he looks exactly like that. So look him up, Roy Sullivan. Seth, question is, were you Roy Sullivan up in the Boundary Waters? No, no. I no lightning struck me. No, okay. nothing. But um, that's but, good. Yes. Part two. How do you pronounce the outfitter slash town you visited? Yeah, that was my homework while I was up there, and I did ask them just to be totally clear. And it it's is pronounced Ely, Minnesota. E-L-Y. Spelled Eli. Yeah. But it's Ely. Ely, Minnesota. I don't know what the origin of that is. But, so yeah. You did your homework. I did my homework. Not all of them. Asked the outfitter according to um, the girl who drove us to the trailhead who we called Cheese, whose name wasn't Cheese, but that's the van's name. Okay. She says Ely, Minnesota. Ely, Minnesota. Yep. Um, quick rating out of 10. What do you give Ely, Minnesota? Ely specifically, or are we talking the Ely. boundary? I'm Ely. I'm just talking Ely. Oh, man. I'm going to go like an 8-7. Oh, really? Yeah. It, it's a it's – a, so you're talking beautiful about a, little a town. gem. Oh yeah, a little hidden, gem. hidden gem in the northern sparkling Minnesota. Sparkling gem of Minnesota. Yeah, it's super cool. And we got there on a Sunday night. Well, no, we got there on a Monday. I was like, "There's no way you left no, Sunday yeah. and got we, there." We Sunday got there night. on a Monday, and everything was closed. Like they're a Thursday through Sunday kind of town. There was like one restaurant open in the whole town. They're just like. I don't know, gone fishing. I'm not sure where they were. <laughs> they all have that, yeah, that classic literally. sign. Well, we were fishing. like, where, where uh, should we eat? And they're like, uh, well, there's a food truck that sells Thai food. And supposedly it's really good. But my thought is 
Thai food in Ely, Minnesota. Yeah, in the Northwoods of Minnesota, there's no shot I'm going to eat Thai food. No, no, no. You have to eat Thai food at that. We didn't. You know, you know what Minnesota is known for, right? Like a large population of Hmong people. Really? Yeah, like south, like southeast. I Asian had food. no idea. I just figured in the north woods of Minnesota, Thai food was. They seem more like a burger in Frytown to me, and okay. that's that's what we got. We went to a place called the Boat House, and our of course, yeah, it, delicious food. Market must be so easy up there. Busy as can be Everything's because it's just fishing. The only the only place open. Great burgers, great everything. Um, Definitely you know, recommend you know, if you're over in well Ely. Burger is beer. Yeah. In which you brought me a beer today. Yes. What are we drinking? We are drinking a Berserker from my favorite brewery called Ordock. It's in um, Marquette. If you're ever up in Marquette, Michigan, in the Upper Peninsula, go check out Ordock. It is fantastic. Um, vibes O-R-E. are vibes are ten out of ten. Yo, I've okay. never been Ordock. in a better place. The beer's like nine out of 10 in my opinion what, what would is, you uh what would you say yeah no this is a this is a solid beer we're looking at a hazy ipa seven and a half percent um i like it good yeah i'm it's a big good. i'm a i'm a big fan yeah it's delicious um yeah but no you the little town of ely super great very very friendly little place people just very active and love getting outside so yeah good um i really i really like that and then the last thing i, I kind of want to touch on is um we talked about the misfortune and well slash unfortunate events that your sleeping pad went through <laughs> yeah now that you had the time to uh use it what is your comprehensive review what happened yeah it the sleeping pad is good now granted this is post cat attack post bought used but it, it's still very comfortable um for how long about six hours it's about <laughs> okay. a six hour sleeping pad at this point um now the nice thing was so i since it's a canoe trip not a backpacking trip i wasn't worried about weight as much and so i brought my foam pad which i had mentioned and had a sweet setup so what i did was i put my inflatable pad down which slowly leaks air still, but like over the course of six hours. So that's fine. I just, you know, you blow it up once in the middle of the night, you're good. And then I put my foam pad on top and I bring a sleeping bag liner, sleeping bag liner. And the reason I bring it is because if it's really hot out at night, you just use that. I just use that. Yep. And normally I don't bring it, but on this trip, I thought it could get warm at night. I'm going to bring that. It was cold enough where I could use my quilt. So I slid that bag liner over my foam pad for a nice or yeah foam pad for a nice little sheet okay foam pad or inflatable pad foam pad with a sheet quilt and i slept great so rewind like 15 seconds you were waking up in the middle of the night to put air into that well when you're sleeping on the ground in the back country and there's five dudes like half of them snore you're up Anyway, usually oh, you have to dude, get up to I, pee. No, I sleep like a rock. Yeah, that's not me. I'm up at least three or four times in the night in the backcountry. Even when I'm at home, it's typically once or twice. Really? Um, but the best thing about it is when you get up in the middle of the night, you know, typically when you go pee, the stars oh, well, are way better. Because we were going to bed decently early. 
like it was after the sunset, but like the stars come out really good, like 1 a.m. So, so even though the fires were there, P, you still had clear enough skies? No fire smoke, no nothing. You, really? If, if we wouldn't have known that the fires were burning, we would never have known they were going on. Like, really? Yeah. That still doesn't mean they're not happening, people. No, they so they it's still yeah, a problem. They definitely are still going on. Um, we actually did get some rain while we were out there, which is good oh, for everything. Huge. Um, but yeah, no, no hazy skies, no nothing. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. stars. I love that. For stars you. were great. Yeah, I love that for so, you. So, yeah. Well, how do you do? You keep your sleeping pad now. Or that's or, the question. Yeah. Like, or do so, you sell it on Facebook marketplace? I have a <clears throat> six hour sleeping pad. <laughs> so for what I'm doing as of right now, like in terms of like how I spent, you know, the trips I go on, it's fine. It'll work. I'll probably do, I'll clean it and you can, you put a little dish soap on it and it'll, you can see the bubbles and I'll probably patch it with the patch kit that came with it. Potentially or tenacious tape. We'll see. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm I'm probably gonna do that and see if I can get it working good. And then if that doesn't work, I might try to warranty it, see what they say. Probably not, but you never know. And then I mean, at that point, you just say you were attacked by a wolverine, right? Yeah, just you know, even if I sent it in and had them patch it, like because they have, they'll do a much more adequate job. I'm using I, my bathtub, just not. I say you do that. Yeah. So you gotta like, pay for try, shipping. Try and, try for the warranty thing, and if they say no, just be like, hey. Yeah. Can you at least patch it for yeah. me? And so, yeah, if I was going to go out on, like, a three-week trip, I probably would invest in a different one. But I go on, like, six days is the most I do. And at this point, after the current sleeping setup I had, I'd probably I'd probably take the, the foam pad with me. Even It's, like, about a pound. If so that, comfortable. Yeah, foam pads probably are Probably worth it, yeah. So yeah, you can pick up a, like, I was actually just – uh, looking at a Nemo one because uh, our security guard was talking about how he needed one. 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. REI. Yeah. You 40 can get bucks. a decent, decent pad for sure for a good price. And even like I mentioned, my wife's. Like one of the rectangle fold ones. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yep. My wife has a, a blow up one that's from Amazon that Climate, I think, is the brand and it works fine. So I'd probably do something like that, honestly. Um, but yeah, no, it was good. I, um, I didn't even like, not all nights, I even like had to blow it up in the middle of the night. I just like let my hips kind of sag into the ground which was fine you wake up so yeah you just kind of deal with it before we dive into too many specifics yeah i just need a number out of 10 boundary waters um okay so i'm a firm believer in no 10 out of 10s because then you have nowhere to go and i'm sure there's places out there that i'm gonna could potentially like more than this that being said i'm gonna go with like an 8.9 Okay. Like, so 10's really not, I'll probably never give anywhere a 10, but the, the whole experience was phenomenal. It was, it was great. So. Good. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm really happy for you. I think uh, my uncle wants to go on that trip. Um, and I'm uncle Mike, this is for you. I want to go with you. <laughs> All right. There we go. The, the best part about it is it is so accommodating to anyone like backpacking i i believe anyone can backpack for the most part but it is much more difficult for certain sects of people such as older or younger or heavier you know because you're carrying all your weight 
you know, it's it can be harder for you if mm-hmm. you're backpacking. Canoeing, so much more accessible. Like, just dream. Like, if you were, we saw families. We saw, <laughs> we saw families. Um, we saw young people. We saw old people. We saw, I mean, just the full, the full gamut. Um, but yeah, so that's the beauty of, of a canoe trip is since you're not, it's not as impact heavy, you can, you can, anyone can do it. And that was part of what made it so great was we wanted an activity that's physically extraneous, right. but also relaxing. Like you get what? back from a backpacking trip and sometimes you're, you know. What were, what were your average days looking up, look, looking like, were you waking up like 6 a.m.? Um, and then ending at like seven, six, seven, or we, like what we, did that look like? We woke up pretty much every day. Well, I set my alarm for like five a.m. every day, and I would look at the weather of what was going on, and then would make a decision. And it was actually really windy out there most days, like pretty much the whole time, except for the last few days. And so I'd wake up at you know five, five thirty, and it's windy and crappy, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not getting up early to go out on that. The whole point of getting up early is to Beat the wind. Beat the wind. Still water. And if it's still that windy, then we might as well sleep in. And so we got up around between 7 and 7.30 every day. So after breakfast day. and everything, you're like leaving like what, like 8.39? Yeah, about that. Okay. You know, And then we typically paddled for like the first day, first two days, we did a little bit more because our thought was let's get deep in there. And then um, if weather comes and it's nasty, we're at least like – we're farther in where, you know, we're farther along the trip. And also then, you know, we can take our time and kind of relax the, the last few days if weather's good. And we actually had great weather um, the whole time. Although I will say, so here, we're getting ready before we had left the outfitter. And my friend was like, ah, looked at the weather, was like 0% chance of rain. I don't think I'm going to bring my rain fly. Like, just save the weight. Like, not supposed to rain. And I was like, I mean. You never you never not bring the rain fly. <laughs> yeah, that's what I told him. I was like, that seems like pretty high risk, pretty low reward. Like, it saves you a little bit of weight. But yeah, rain flies are not that heavy. Yeah, the first three days, it rained. Every night, the first three nights we got rain. Did he have his rain Oh, fly? he brought his rain fly. Okay. Yeah. I was like, but please tell me someone. All trip, we're like, 0% chance of rain. You know, anytime we did anything, we're like, ah, oh, 0% chance of rain. Which, so I'm used to Colorado mountains where the weather that you get in town is. Oh, n- drastically different. Yeah, nowhere close. And like, that's yeah. understood. But I was like, ah, Minnesota, like you're not in the mountains. So like, it, but it's a like, little more predictable in terms of like, you're not going to have the mountain weather that like brews up storms. What was the general elevation for you? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, in Colorado? Or? No, no. I'm not sure. Waters. I'll, I'll, I'll look. Craig. Yeah. Have Craig look that up. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So weather don't trust. This is true for anywhere you go in the wilderness. Never look at the weather and think I'm not going to bring my rain fly. It's about, it's about 1400 feet. <laughs> okay. Above sea level. Yeah. And so it was different than Thanks, what Craig. it said in town. And then even like when we got back, we like asked if they had any rain and they did not get any rain. So it was true for them. And we weren't that far from them, but for whatever reason, you know, we got three or four days of rain. It just kind of sprinkled that night. We had a little bit of hard rain, but like 
nothing that disturbed us any, you know. Right. And we were right. happy to get it because everything's so dry out there. Water levels are really low. So definitely the area needed rain. We were, we were happy that we were getting it. But, yeah. Man, overall, so, 8.9. I love it. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like, uh, <clears throat> sounds like the place to go right now. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I think it's going to become more and more populated. I think you'll see. Well, obviously, it's we're talking about it on our right, podcast. It's going to blow up after this. Yeah. All eight of you guys are going to go there next year. It's going to be atrocious. Our moms, dads, and your moms and <laughs> your dads. Your uncle. My uncle. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be the whole yeah. thing. Um, but, yeah, and so the first few days, super windy. Like really crazy you're in, like, winds. Pretty thick. Like oh yeah, no, it was blowing, and so I guess maybe we should just dive right in. I'll just yeah give the I full mean, recap or yeah because I, unlike all of your other friends, <laughs> I have to wait until <laughs> right. the podcast. I, did, I wanted you to experience it for the first time here. Yeah, yeah. So like you got home and you're like, oh dude, it was great, and yeah, I asked you questions and you're like, don't worry, yeah, you'll. You'll yeah, find out. Well, now's your moment. I know. So, so I, I'm chomping at the bit. Yeah. Um, because you know we kind of talked about it. So just I th- I say we we dive into it, planning versus yeah. versus like actuality. Yep. So for like, sure. Like, what do you give yourself planning wise? Like out of ten. Uh, you know, like an eight or nine. Honestly, like oh, so you did a pretty. It good was job? planned out well. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like, so let's let's dive. We into covered it. our grounds. Yeah, so we it was it was Sunday night, and we my my friends were like, "Hey, we're ready. Do we want to go tonight?" And we're all like, "I guess." Like we're either gonna leave in the morning or we're gonna leave tonight. So we we took off. It was like I think I left my house after ten okay. p.m. and so we drove and we drove about halfway we got somewhere up in the up right around munising in the in the upper peninsula and we stopped free camping found a place that's just public land pitched our tents we stopped around like three or four a.m i think we got to bed around four a.m and we were up pretty early seven or eight a.m and we started driving again isn't that crazy how your body can do that oh yeah like when you have a destination in mind your body is unstoppable and like it's it was my vehicle and like also the excitement so i drove the whole time like by choice like i was like i'm good and i probably could have kept driving that night and that night it was like no one's on the road it's like 3 a.m like no one's the up of michigan luckily we stopped at a gas station right after the bridge because that's apparently the only gas station open within like hundreds of miles apparently so we stopped and got gas filled up and the lady was like oh yeah like no one else is open we're like sweet kept rolling Got in camp, slept a couple hours, got up in the morning. I kept driving. It's a long drive, but worth it. We get there. We register. They get us our gear, give us our little tutorial what, on When how. did you get there? <clears throat> um, Like 4.30. In the afternoon on Monday? 4.30 in, on Monday. Oh, wow. We made pretty good time a little bit after. You hustled. Oh, yeah. We we were not there to mess around. And they, they actually, the outfit are closed. They, they typically only do till four but we said i called him before we had left and i said we'll be pushing it to get there on time and she was like we'll stay open so you guys can get an early start in the morning we're like Perfect. that's incredible yeah super great so we got there they gave us a little tutorial on um how to you know tie the canoe to our car when we got back off trail how to portage like whatever we would rent a little cabin that they had that night 
So we stayed there. We got, you know, went through our bags, you know, divvied out the meals, did all kind of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause I had packed all the meals. And so at that point I, you know, except for the refrigerated stuff, everyone put them in their pack, kind of got ready. Um, and then, yeah, we were, went to bed I got up early, filled the car up with gas. So it was ready for when we got back, you know, kind of did all that stuff. And I think we were on the road right around eight 30 to go to the trailhead. And so we went over the map. I bought a couple maps. I had it downloaded on my phone as well. And we, we, they, you know, show us kind of where we're going to be starting our route, you know, just to make sure we knew what we were doing and then where our car was. And me and my friends were joking around the whole time. Like if you'd ever met any of us, there's really not many serious moments. We're always cracking jokes, nothing serious. Everything's kind of sarcastic, you know, whatever. And so Cheese, the girl whose name isn't Cheese, but that's what we called her because we don't know her name. Um, and so she's driving us to the trailhead. And like I said, we're cracking jokes the whole time. And we get to the trailhead. Well, actually, we dropped off our car first. It's called a chase where we drop off our car and then they shuttle us to the destination yeah, where we're you, starting. That yeah, way you, when we get back. You park the car at, at point right, B. Right. We start at point A. At a. Right. How, how far was that distance? Um, Driving-wise, it was like 30 minutes. Okay. Pretty pretty decent. We are like, our car was like 15 minutes from the outfitter, and then it was like another 30 minutes beyond that probably. Okay. So, so decent. Yeah. And so we pull in, and she pulls up her, her phone map, and she's kind of pointing, and she says, you're here, because we don't know where we are, you know. That's the only part we didn't really know was where we were starting. She said, you're here. Um, this is that, what you're looking at. You're going to go up around there. She kind of points straight out around. You're going to go to the right and then up in there. And they're like, perfect. I didn't even look at the map, because I was like, she is work. She's a guide who works for an outfitter, and I know where we're going, so... Like I know on the map what it looks like. We all, we actually did all look at the map just briefly, and then we started paddling. <laughs> and so the lake we started on, because of the fires, had boats on it. It's not part of the wilderness. We had to paddle into the wilderness. And we get going, and we go around this island, and we go out, and what should be a little inlet is just opens up into this huge lake. And we're like, something isn't right. So at that point, I pull up my phone, which has, like, my downloaded map with my GPS on it. And I'm like, well, that's not right. It has us way south of where we even started. And it's overcast, so, like, there's no reference in the sky to what direction we're going. And so I'm like, that's not right. It must be lagging behind. So we're, like, trying to figure it out. We paddle a little bit farther, and we are like, okay. And then I realize my phone is correct. She sent us, she referenced the map, told us the wrong point, and sent us south instead of north. And again, no sun out. It's overcast. It's the morning. So, like, we didn't, we should have been paying attention. It's on us. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, you would think they would give us the right directions. No. So, we had paddled like two miles in a huge lake with motorboats driving all around us, houseboats just floating along in the wrong direction. And so we're like, I we, love that. we need to go exactly where we came from and then we'll start our trip. So we paddle the right direction. We figure it out. Oh dude, I would, I would have <laughs> asked someone to tell me at oh, that point. Yeah. Well that's, Lasso yeah, the boat. I know. And so we got to where we're going 
and there was a little bit of discussion over um, if we were in the right spot or not. I had my phone map, which has a GPS. My other friend, they had the real map. Um, they went one way, we went another way because we thought we were right. They thought they were right, and uh, we were right. And so they went another mile in the wrong direction and then had to circle back. So, yeah, you anyways. split up? Well, it's like it wasn't a far split up, and we had walkie-talkies that – we turned on, but they didn't, even though we said we'll turn on the walkie-talkies. You know, a lot of sensical things happening here. And so we got to the right portage. We did our first ever portage. There's actually quite a few people there. We saw, like, a big family go out. There's people coming off trail, people coming on trail, like, pretty busy. And we kind of were figuring out how to do it. So, you know, pack on, put the canoe on the shoulders, carried it. It was miserable, absolutely so- terrible. So what's the verdict? Is three people per canoe better than two people? Mm-mm. No. And, and the re- only reason why is because me and Logan, a guy who I was with in the two-person canoe, developed a system that worked great. My other three friends, Johnny, Herbie, and Jake, dysfunctioned to the max. I think the last day they were still changing up their portage plan. Um, they didn't adopt yours? No. I don't. They just didn't – so in the end what we ended up doing was I carried two packs. Logan carried the canoe. But they didn't like carrying two packs. They thought that was too much. Did you do like one on the front, one on the back? Yep. Okay. Worked great for us. So we definitely had easier portages in my opinion than they did. But, yeah, so we got out there. We get into this lake. We start floating. The wind's pushing us. We're floating. It's great. We're like, "This this is beautiful. We get into a clearing three foot waves <laughs> just okay. out of nowhere we're not wearing our pfds because we're idiots and didn't put them on and at this point it'd be too difficult to get them where they're at in the boat because of the waves our bags are not secured to the boat so if we go over our bags are going this lake's like 60 feet deep it's a huge lake so you went full oh rookie mode oh yeah oh yeah we get to our location me and logan scouted out a few other campsites that might be a little less windy and then our other friends kind of secured one campsite. We are paddling back, and we're going into the wind. And the wind is so strong. We are paddling as hard and fast as we can and going nowhere, going the other direction. And so we have to paddle to the shore of this island and jump out, chest-deep water. Not It's not, not like, oh, you're, you know, ink. no, chest-deep water and walk our canoe along the island to get to the campsite. Now, once we got there, it was beautiful. I mean, right. truly just a beautiful spot, really awesome. And so that was the start of our trip. Now, I'm actually going to fast forward a little bit, and then, <laughs> and then we'll circle back and kind of hit some of the highlights. So at this point, we have gone. We are on day six. We wake up 5 a.m. because we're trying to get back. So we have, like, a short paddle. A long portage, 400 rods. One rod is 16 and a half feet. It's a little over a mile. Long portage and then a, a decent paddle to our car. So we're like, we got to get up early so we can get back to the outfitter, drop our stuff off, shower, hit the road because one guy has a flight at like 6 a.m., another one works at 7 a.m. We got to get back. We got a 13 hour drive, I'm not trying to kill ourselves. So we get up early, we head out. Portage goes smooth. At this point, we got our system down. Even the dysfunction three, 
they do a, a good job portaging. We start paddling, and we're paddling through like 50 or 60 different islands, just little small islands, but we're just kind of going through them. And there's a point where we stop, and we're like, should we go right and avoid the wind, or should we go left, have a little bit more wind, but have a little bit clearer shot at what we're going? And after going back and forth like three or four times, of course, because no one can just make a decisive decision, we go left, and it's a good thing. So we go left, and we look over. And as we're going, it, we're basically paddling into a cove. And we look over, and not in the cove, we see a seaplane. And we're like, I think Jake saw it first. And he goes, that seaplane looks like the same one that where we parked our car. And I'm like, huh, that's weird. I mean, I guess it makes sense. There's a lot of seaplanes around here. And so we kind of keep going, and we get a little closer, and then... Logan's like that really looks like the spot we dropped our car so we pad a little closer I pull out my binoculars great addition to my kit loved having binoculars I wish I had a better pair but still great and I look and I can see my Yukon two miles from where they marked on the map of where our car would be dropped off not even close like if we would have kept paddling we would have gone just deep into this cove and we would have got there and been like well no car here you know like at that point like if we wouldn't have saw the plane how would we have any reference to where our car was like the only thing we had was this coincidental the seaplane if we wouldn't have saw the seaplane we would have been i mean granted we probably would have had cell service so we could have called but like if we didn't do you think you could draw this seaplane out do you have a pretty good memory of it it's just a seaplane i'm not an artist but yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so it just was like, and we're like, so that's where we're like, okay, we got sent in the wrong direction. And then our car wasn't parked in the right spot. So is it possible that cheese was messing with us? Cause we were cracking jokes the whole time. Like maybe she was like, I'm going to get these guys. Like they think they're funny. I'm going to get the last laugh. I don't think that was it because that seems like a pretty ballsy move. You didn't ask? No, I did. I brought it up when I got back. Oh. And she gave me a, a kind of a crappy answer. She was like, oh, yeah, we're still trying to figure out where exactly like that like boat launches. And I'm like, it's, it's not marked on my map. Like that, it's a boat ramp. What do you mean? I just kind of left have it. You GPS. Yeah. I like, just, <laughs> just kind of left it and I didn't make a big deal about it. But I just was like. All that to say, I don't blame the outfitter. They were really great. Yeah, like, they sounded amazing. They did a good job, except for those two things, which are pretty significant. So just make sure you have your own stuff together and don't rely on anybody. But you're like you're the one that's out there. You're the one that has to survive. So like, at the end of the day, you need to be paying attention to your stuff. And luckily, we were, and it worked out. And so there was no issues. But it just was like, how bizarre. How. How bizarre. Dun, 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 yeah. Dun. yeah. Every time I hear those two words, that song comes to mind. Of course. Um, what do you think the percentage, was it 50-50 water to land or? On our travels? Yeah. Oh, no. It was like 95-5. Okay. So we had a couple long portages. One was like 1.4 miles and one was probably like 1.2 miles and then a couple other like little short ones. We probably did about 40 miles total and about four of those-ish were 
carry on land. So I nice. guess that'd uh, yeah. be ten percent if you're doing like if you're going to go by the math. At least so, you yeah. didn't like get lost on the boardages. Yeah, no, those like are straightforward. There's a trail. Nothing's marked with signs or anything, but like you know if you're on a portage or not. There's no like, eh, this might be it because it's so thick. Like everywhere else, but that's, yes, yeah. Like and the, they were fairly like fairly flat in terms of like rocks and sticks and stuff. Like fairly wide. Like you knew you're on a portage, which was nice. That's nice. Yeah. Um. So I had a few other highlights that we'll kind of go back to now. So that was kind of the the beginning and the end. Um, while we're out there. Yeah, what did you do in the middle? Yeah. You spent six days out there. Yeah, so we, like I said, we'd get up, cook breakfast. The food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phenomenal. So I, to circle back to, I don't know if we how much we talked about this, but my first ever backpacking trip to Isle Royal, no idea what we're doing. We ate literally rice, dehydrated vegetables, and like bacon. Every night. And it sounds good, but let me tell you, seven days in a row after a full day of hiking, it just was not it. We didn't cook the rice all the way through because we were too impatient to let it cook, like whatever. Yeah, hard rice. And I rice. actually found on my phone on the way home, I was scrolling through old pictures, and I found the shopping list, and it was like 20 cups of rice, 10 cups of dehydrated vegetables. <laughs> and compared to this trip where we're eating... The first night we had steak and fresh peppers and jalapenos. The delicious second night we had an Italian sausage dish with like fresh spinach that I vacuum sealed, some dehydrated tomatoes, rice, feta cheese, like just delicious. Like I cannot put into words the difference between Isle Royal where we had plain oatmeal every morning and the same rice dinner every night. Compared to this where we're eating bacon, mac, and cheese, and we're eating just phenomenal. Um, but, yeah, so we would wake up. So you were freaking Maddie Matheson out there. Oh, I love cooking in the backcountry. Just yeah, it's, it's cooking some delicious meals. I love it. Yeah, the guys, they seem to really love it, and they're very um, critical, and I think I got their approval. When's the Food Network show coming so, out? So, hey, as soon as they offer me a deal, I'm in. Um, but yeah, so we would, we'd get up in the first, I don't know if it was the first night or the second night. I think it might've been the second night. I don't remember. Um, our friend, my friend, Johnny, big John, um, we, he's like the fisherman of the group. He probably spends the most time fishing. Um, we kind of refer to him for all of our fishing questions. And so obviously he was psyched. Oh yeah. Cause you guys are on the water. Yeah. And so he, he put a line in the water early and we're all kind of just kind of hanging around camp like none of us are huge fishermen besides kind of him and and one other guy jake um and like his second cast we just hear him let's go boys and he comes back and he's got this northern pike Uh. just holding it you know doing a, a grip and grin and at that point we're like lines in the water let's go like we're all psyched to be fishing and so we started fishing so we spent a lot of our time just hanging out fishing. Did you all bring poles or did yep. you use his? We all brought rods and stuff and we kind of fished with like, for all of you fishing fans out there, jig heads um, with leeches, jig heads with spinners, jig heads with any, you know, worm thing. And then some people did like used a bobber. Some people used like a little minnow looking Rapala thing. Um, 
so we tried it a lot of different things, but it, what was hit the most? Uh, jig head with leeches were used probably the most common. Um, and so we, you know, I think my first fish, I caught a Northern Pike and I've, I've never caught one before that was lit. Super did you, fun. Did you have a, like a metal lead? Um, no, no, no. You got lucky. That I was using a spoon. Um, and yeah, it, I like accidentally cast in the wrong spot and was just quickly reeling it in to cast in where I wanted it and a <laughs> Northern grabbed it. And so I got like one of the first fish, um, by accident. <laughs> How big was it? Uh, small for a Northern Pike, but probably like, I don't know, 18 inches, 15 inches. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a little, little, I don't, teen, I don't little I teenage no reference, but we let it go. We didn't. You well, know. obviously you gotta be careful with Pike. Um, they don't survive out of the water that long. Yeah. And we, we ate quite a few fish, but we, you know, we only kept kind of the big ones. What um, did you eat? Yeah. So that's actually something I want to talk about because oh. we ate, we mostly caught bass and I grew up hearing that bass tastes Money. gross. They're but, not good fish. No, they're pretty good. You throw them back. Especially if you cook them with milk. And we we ate, I don't know, probably 10 or ten or 12 bass while we were out there. It's delicious, oh right? Oh, my gosh. I think we, genuinely, I think there's a conspiracy theory. Well, I'm going to restart that. I think there's a conspiracy theory, and this is actually my friend Jake's, that bass are fun to catch. And sport fishermen like catching them, so they started the rumor that they're bad to eat. You could put that fish up against any fish, and I would be like, that's a Ex- good fish. Except a walleye. Well, right. But or a halibut. Yeah, okay, yes, there are better tasting fish. But in so terms not of, any fish. But in terms of it also, if, if you are not a fish connoisseur, and I handed you a bass on one plate and any other fish on another, unless it's like a bright red salmon or whatever, you'd be like, oh, yeah, they're both pretty good. Like yeah, no, no. It, it also depends on the fish's diet, right? Clean water, and, and we literally caught them, and then a few hours later are eating them, and certainly yeah. that goes into play, yeah, for sure. But they are delicious. Little and known so, fact, though, if you soak them in milk, um, if they are from dirtier water yeah. or kind of muddy, the milk will help cut hmm, that down, and it tastes delicious. Yeah, there you go. So we cooked them. I'll kind of go over that too because I had never like really cooked fish, cleaned fish. Like I've kind of been a part of the process, but like <laughs> they kind of showed me and basically we just filleted them. If you don't know how to do that, I'm sure there's a YouTube video. Give me that fillet of fish. You, f- <laughs> <laughs> you fillet and then we coated them in Old Bay and then we cooked them in a pan. And then at the end of the trip, what I kind of learned was because it, it sticks to my pan because you're cooking on a really hot stove. And so what I would do was I would cook the first batch just an old bay, and it would kind of stick to the bottom of the pan. And I would take it off. I'd add just a little bit of water, scrape the pan clean, put it back on, and then add my fish still with old bay. And I would kind of like almost like bask them or whatever. And baste them. Baste them. Thank there you. There you go. Baste them. Kind of baste them. And they cooked up really nice and delicious. We ate a lot of fish um, as just like a bonus meal. Do you have any uh, pictures? I do. Yeah. yeah. They'll be. I- Let's post one yeah. when we. Yeah. I have been waiting because I, I wanted to post, but I was Obviously. like, I'm gonna wait till this comes out, and then we'll we'll post them all. And so we spent a good amount of time fishing. Um, and I'm jealous. What's funny is, okay, so Johnny, he's the big fisherman. He caught a lot of fish. Jake probably fishes the second most. He caught a lot of fish, 
mostly little fish. He he had a hard time hooking into the big ones, which kind of a sensitive topic for him. So we'll let that one go. My friend Logan, not really a fisherman at all. He kind of falls into the same boat as me. We're like, he's Was done he it before. Was he just ripping monsters? He broke his pole. Like, uh, well, he didn't. It just, it got broken in the canoe. I don't, no one really knows. All of a sudden we looked down and it was broke after a portage. So somehow the tip of his was rod Was he in the three off. person? He wasn't. Oh, he was with He's you. He was in the two person, but he was the one carrying the canoe. So uh, we don't know what happened. But, um, so we fix his pole. It instantly breaks again because we use like a, it just wasn't a good fix. We just were trying to hobble it together. So he is using half of a fishing pole. And he used the same lure the whole time, which was just like a little spinner on a jig head and was slaying the fish. I mean. It was meant to be. It was was meant to be. It was, yeah, like, and just, he was addicted. He was out there more than anyone, just, just fishing. And it was, it was actually pretty comical, but yeah. So it just was, it also was a good reminder that like the least amount of fishing experience and a broken pole and he was slaying the fish and so it's like doesn't Attitude. yeah it, it doesn't take the best gear uh, you know and oh it was a blast the fishing aspect was super fun and we'd like put them on a stringer where you like put the line through their gill oh yeah You'd... and then keep them in the water keep them alive and stuff so then we when we were ready to cook them they were ready to go and actually one night we were like we had already eaten dinner we were already full we we're like well we'll just leave them in there we'll have them for breakfast and so we <laughs> we left the stringer in the water, and that night, actually, um, we were swimming. And we're all, now just, you know, if you're listening at home, this is where it's going to go to, like, PG-13 a little bit. But um, you need to want to get your clothes all wet in the evening. So, you know, we're doing a little bit of skinny dipping. We're in the middle of the wilderness. Your birthday, there's, there's no one around. Who cares? It's all guys. So we're out skinny dipping. And we we look up and we see what appears to potentially be a log sticking out of the water that wasn't there before. And we're like, what's that? And then it disappears. And, and at that point, we knew, and it was about 10 feet from us, 15 feet from us probably, it was a snapping turtle. And so we waited, and then it reappeared, this time with its tail up. And I am not kidding, it was probably three foot long, which is... A big enough. I'm not kidding you. It was huge. And so being in our birthday suits. How fast did you run out of the water? We well, my friend Jake tried to catch it. He got we went closer. And oh. the rest of us kind of backed away and kept a healthy distance. But the question is Do you think a snapper turtle would would bite you? Would take the bait? And and so now, I believe this about most animals. The only fear that people have for animals is typically because they don't understand them, like bears. Yes. Like people 100%. who understand bears do not fear them because they understand. They have a healthy fear, but they're not like terrified when they go into the woods of bears because you understand them, you know them. And and same thing is true for most animals. Yeah. I don't know about snapper turtles enough to know snapping turtles enough to know if that's something they would consider. I just know that I I don't want to find out firsthand. And so I, I kept a healthy distance. Um, Did you yeah. cup? 
Yeah, there was a lot of cupping. A lot of cupping. I, I apologize to those listening at home who this is a, a, a little bit much. But, yeah, cupping happened. So, anyway, saw this, the snapper. Pretty cool. We left the fish on the stringer after this. <laughs> we weren't really thinking. We were like, yeah, we'll just leave them there. It was, a, a, I think, a bass and a bluegill or something. And the next morning we went to go get our fish, and they were they were demolished. There was, like, barely remnants left of its head. Just yeah. Probably the snapper uh, the, came Imagine up. you... <laughs> Getting stuck in a trap, <laughs> yeah, right. You can't move. Oh yeah, we just and you're in, you're in a them. you're in oh a set of yeah. woods filled with hungry wolves. Yep, that's What's exactly what we did to these fish. Now, for the turtle, I'm sure it was the best day of his life. For the fish, <laughs> he had a buffet, dude. Not so much. <laughs> oh my gosh, you gave yeah. you gave that turtle. Oh yeah, a silver platter for sure of his favorite. For sure, he's like. Honey, yeah, you'll never guess what happened to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, best day ever. Free Regurgitates <laughs> half of a bass. Um, yeah, so that that was a learning experience. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so so did you recatch fish for the morning? <clears throat> no, I mean we we typically like our goal was kind of to get to camp, set up, and that way if weather moved in or if anything changed, we were at least had that taken care of. So we didn't do a ton of fishing in the morning, but we'd fish kind of on our way to camp and then. Um, you know, once we got in camp, we kind of, we'd go out. Right. Right. And so I think it was like day four or five, we're headed to camp and we had a really short day, not much paddling at all. So we were like heavy fishing the whole way there and it started to sprinkle on us. And there's a few moments where I was like, maybe we should just hustle to camp, get things set up so that way we don't have to worry and we can always come back. And then we, it kind of cleared up a little bit and we stumbled upon what we referred to as the honey hole. And there's a few honey holes, but this was the honey holes of honey holes. We pull up, and I'm not exaggerating, 10 casts between me and and my friend Logan. 10 fish. 8 fish. Oh, wow. Okay, at one point, my line got tangled around my reel. And so I am trying to untangle it and I dropped my lure into the water right out of the side of the boat to fix it and the a bass almost ripped the pole out of my hands <laughs> it came and grabbed it like not even doing anything I just literally set it there there was times where you could literally just drop it in the water and you were getting bites I mean so so what you're saying is these fish were hungry oh they yeah yeah they were out there getting after it and it was the easily the most fun I've ever had fishing. Like an experience like that makes me want to take up fishing. Now, granted, the next day and the days previous, I probably caught the least amount of fish out of everyone. I'm just not. It's not my number one sport. Um, but I, I mean, I can cook the heck out of a fish. So bring me your, you know, you catch them, I'll cook them. Yeah. But even then, I was like, this is a blast. Like I'm having so much fun just catching, catching. It's, it was easy. It was light work. And we caught like probably 10 or as, 15 fish. We as long as in. you know that it's not always that easy. Oh, right? no, I'm aware. There was a lot of like I caught that northern pike the first day and then I went the rest of the night fishless as everyone else was 
reeling in all sorts of sunfish and you know bass and everything and you didn't then, even change it you, you didn't want to change up your lure you You're know like, well, maybe I, I did should. actually oh. it didn't matter so <laughs> i would well i try to know, give you the benefit I, I would, of the doubt you know i'd go to their spot i would throw what they're throwing i would i for a little bit i was cursed a little just a short amount of time, so that never works yeah. you got to stick to your guns yeah or your your rod but and your yeah reel. so yeah, no, that the fishing was a blast. If you're going to go to the Boundary Waters, definitely bring fishing gear, even if you, like, you know, it's I was funny. using an Amazon pole and a $20 reel. And it's it funny that you say that because I don't even think we talked about that in your planning. No. Like, well, that wasn't even brought up. Yeah, I didn't do a ton of planning for it. I made a note for each lake on what was kind of known to be caught there, but I relied on Johnny and Jake who brought all the tackle and stuff for the fishing knowledge because they're the, the fishermen. It'd be like, you know... I'm not going to rely on someone who's never been backpacking to show me how to put my pack on. Then you're not going to rely on me to catch fish because I just you're not. It's going to be bad advice, right? And so, yeah, that was uh, that was that. Um, so fishing, yeah, fishing recommendations definitely bring fishing gear. Um, and then, according to Johnny, he would bring hideable um, hooks. Ones that you can like, yeah, yeah, disguise, disguise because we are in a lot of weedy areas at times. A lot of, a lot of hooks got caught in seaweed, and we had to go swimming after them. Were you, talk, were you catching seaweed bass? Some algae, some yeah. algae drought. Oh yeah, and like me not being a very good fisherman, I would hook into <clears throat> seaweed or a log or a rock, and I would, I thought it was a fish, and I'm like, I pull that line tight and i'm like i got one i'm fighting it for like 30 seconds and then i'm like it's not really fighting back it's mostly just me (laughs) (laughs) and so i was like oh not a fish just seaweed and then i have to go swimming after it because i had just pulled on it for a minute straight deepening it into whatever it was hooked in yeah and so that was a lesson learned so hideable hooks and then um i think he said something about like a setup for like trolling so you could just throw it in a rod holder and, and troll like on your way to the site or whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, that's my fishing advice, but I am by no means a fishing expert, but it was a blast. And if I was going to go again, I would probably prepare a little more for fishing. Do you have any fish? Pic- you have fish pictures, right? Oh yeah. Okay, yep. good. I want to see some I'll, after this. I'll, yep, for sure. And we'll throw some up on the gram when this is released. I'll do probably a full picture recap on Instagram of, of the different, yeah, different stuff. So so I mean I think right now I'm just gonna do the 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 word plug of the week. Um, text us the word halibut. Halibut. If you if you listen to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, last week was Tyrannosaurus Rex, and the first week was spaghetti. But this week's word is halibut. Yeah. Shoot us over a text or a DM. My lanta. That's one of my favorite fish. Never, never fished it, but I love eating it. It, is, it do be delicious. It do be tasting yeah. good. Um, but yeah, in in terms of like the trip in general, it was. I mean, we all kind of agreed our favorite trip we've ever done. Well, I feel like everyone you've <coughs> ever done is like a one up of the last. Kind of, um, but like even in terms of like me, I've I've guided, you know, I don't know, somewhere around twenty backpacking trips and been on, you know another handful on top of that and this one was special like i don't it's hard to like they're all so different and, and unique and, and good in their own way but did you yeah it it was it was an, an incredible experience like the the peacefulness of like a canoe gliding over the water like 
or smashing three foot waves. Yeah, that at times it was. Uh, there's a little bit of juxtaposition there for sure. Um, but then you know, even the portages that were a little more difficult, it it just leaves I, you feeling. I will say, canoe trips are pretty pretty spectacular. Yeah, I took a canoe trip a long <clears throat> time ago. I was like uh, ten, and we were in northern Maine, pretty much Canada. And we went down this river, and it was just like the coolest thing. I didn't have to do much. Mom and Dad did mm-hmm. the kayak or the the canoeing part, but I will agree with you that there's like something special. Yeah, it was just. I mean, like people people rave dip- about this place. Even so, my old bo- boss Todd, I talked to him before I came because he did this trip in high school, and he always, you know, is like, "Oh yeah, like Wayford Adventures too. It's going to be Boundary Waters." And talks about how special this place is. And I didn't really understand because he runs a backfitting co- outfitter in Colorado. Like, probably the hiking mecca in the United States, if not, like, maybe California or something. But Utah. Like, like, it is one of the best. And he raves about the Boundary Waters. And after being there and having experienced it, like, totally understand. It was just – it was special. We saw – so many loons, which are such a cool animal. Like you Gorgeous. go to bed and you just listen to their like coo. coo yeah. yeah. And like super special. <laughs> Although one night we heard perhaps a loon, perhaps sounded, you know, when you're, it's late and you're in your tent and you wake up to a noise, everything sounds like a wolf or a wolf pup or something where like, we don't know what it was even now. Maybe a coyote, maybe a loon. Yeah, you're for, you're for. Far enough north. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and, like, maybe they're trying to get away from the fires <clears throat> and stuff like that. You just don't know. And yeah. It, and so we – but listening to the loons call at night, it just is incredible. We saw beavers, otter, obviously, a lot of fish, probably five or six bald eagles. We had a turtle tally, five on the turtle tally. We saw five turtles. Including um, that, that snapper. Including the snapper, yep. Um, but yeah, just really cool wildlife, ducks and geese and, and, you know, all that stuff. Incredible. Like the first few days we saw quite a few people, but even like, even while you're out there and you see someone canoe, you know, you're sitting, you're at your campsite. Yeah. How many people? Yeah. That's actually really good. How many people did you see? The first day a lot because, because of all the closures, people are more concentrated to one place. And it seemed to be what a lot of people were doing was they get out there and then they do day trips from there. So they only doing like one short portage and then they just kind of do their own thing. After we got from there, you're seeing two or three kayak canoes a day, maybe more. But even when you do, it's like across the lake and they're just like blissfully gliding. It's like even it adds to the peacefulness. Right. Know? It's not like they're driving by in a motorboat. Like there's not, none of those after the first, you know, lake. And so it just was like this serene place, like the stars were phenomenal, the sunsets were all phenomenal. Even when it rained and it was windy, it's beautiful. And the and the wind was actually great for the mosquitoes. Uh, Although it was a pain to deal with canoeing and you're chilling in camp and you just want right. things to not be blowing around. So they weren't really too much of an issue? No. Mosquitoes, pretty much a non-issue. We, you know, there was a few nights where we were in a little bit more sheltered spots where the wind wasn't blowing through as much and they kind of came out and I did light up the thermocell. Um, I don't feel like I have enough information to really give it a good review because it, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I honestly forgot about it. Yeah. Um, but it, 
you know, perhaps it worked. Perhaps it just was, you know, the conditions were right. The only time uh, mosquitoes were bad was the last night. And we were already in our tents because we were getting up early. So we were in our tents like right after the sunset. And as we were kind of getting ready, they came out full force. And we probably had like 20 mosquitoes on our tent. Like we're looking and like they're all just, they're just trying to get in. They're on the outside looking in. The worst is when one gets in and feasts <laughs> all night. Oh, yeah. Just engorges themselves. Engorges themselves. Yeah. Like so we, you get bit 20 times. <laughs> whoever else is in your tent gets bit 20, 50 times. Yeah. And that, oh, that, dude, that is the worst about tents is that, you know, worst case is you climb in there and you're good. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm glad I brought it. I think it'd be even more useful a different time of year or perhaps different conditions. Even So comprehensive review on the thermocell yeah. coming soon. Yes. Honestly, well, using in Michigan right now, dude, Michigan yeah. is. They were late this year and it's been oh, weird. It's, it's been a weird it's summer. Ridiculous. The spring it's was getting great overrun. and then, yeah. Um, we use a yeah. mosquito shield at my house. Mm. Highly recommend. Okay. Yeah, they yeah. mosquito shield. They come. They spray our property. Nice. Yeah, it's amazing. Where I'm from, they have mosquito abatement. It's like people that drive around in trucks. Yeah, spray. yeah. This is like a truck. Yeah. Yeah, and that's not necessarily a thing over here. But yeah, in terms of like my full review, so that's kind of how the trip went. The location, just about as good as it gets. Um, the food. In the luxuries, you can kind of pack a little heavier depending on your portages. Um, I felt like we had a good um, a good amount of stuff. I overpacked on clothes. A what did bit. you take this time? Because yeah, so I strayed from about my normal. I brought three pair of underwear, three pair of socks. Oh my! I only needed one pair of underwear. I did well, yeah, you're probably in your bathing suit, dude. I I I only wore the second pair of underwear like the last day just because. And I still would have taken two, but get rid of the third pair of underwear. Get rid of the third pair of socks. Everything dries out there so fast because the sun and the wind, like, even it, it wasn't really an issue. I brought two pair of shorts. Get rid of the second. Only need one. I brought two long sleeve shirts, one short sleeve shirt. I would have got rid of the short sleeve shirt and had one long sleeve shirt for wearing while we're adventuring. And one, one short. Long, long sleeve, like, light, like, athletic material. Like SPF. Yeah. Like the SPF material, fishing shirt stuff. And then I brought a fleece and a vest, which was good. Um, Were the one pair of shorts you brought swim trunks? They are Patagonia baggies. So swim short-esque. But they're quick drying. I I own two pair. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. But and then I brought a rain jacket. But yeah, I would have got rid of a pair of shorts. I would have got rid of one of my shirts, a pair of socks, a pair of underwear. And not that that cuts down a ton of weight, but it does a space. little bit in space in your bag and stuff. And you, I just didn't need it even for a six day trip. Um, yeah. And then in terms of every campsite has a latrine. So you have a place to, to do your business and a place to throw wipes. Wow. Which I didn't even have to use the sticks and stones method. I that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of like forest service stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. But they, they do that as a way to keep impact low. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the reason behind that. And so, yeah, those are kind of the things I would change. I would bring maybe some of my own fishing gear and kind of customize that a little bit. Um, but other than that, I feel like very well prepared, um, had a blast, and I think everyone should get up there, even if it's just it's you and now, another person or your family. Get it's up now there on it. my list. Yeah. Yeah, definitely sure. on my list. I didn't know too much about it. I mean, our, our friend Tyler, mm-hmm. 
went. Yeah, he used to get uh, up there. Yep. And, yeah. and has really good things to say about it. And it was on my uncle's list. So yeah. obviously, right. it's I'm the real deal. I'm already planning a return trip for the fall for me and Maddie. Next and year. me. Yeah, and, and Devin. Yeah. Me, Maddie and Devin will share a two-person tent or something. No, I mean, you will. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, Maddie. No, no, no. Maddie Portage is the, ca- the, the canoe. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. Just kidding. But no, it was it was great. I, uh, I'm already. So what's next on the agenda for your, that friend group? Are you already talking next trip? Yeah. We threw out a few ideas. Um, Such as? Well, we all kind of want to go to Glacier. I've heard good things. No, no. You heard great things. Yeah. I've heard great things. Most underrated park (laughs) besides Acadia. Acadia and Glacier are the two most underrated parks in the United States. I love Acadia. I liked Ah, it. Acadia is amazing. You didn't experience it again. Yeah. I'll have to go back. Um, we talked about doing a trip up to Copper Harbor, which is way up in the northern part of the Keweenaw Peninsula in the UP, um, and doing like maybe a couple of days mountain biking, maybe a couple of days um, like going around waterfalls, but kind of just staying at like a state park and then doing like day trips. Oh my gosh. Did you see that video of Tequamanon Falls? Mm-mm. There's like a, Craig, you'll have to find it for us just so you can fact check me. I'm sorry to interrupt. There's a deer, and someone's filming, and I saw a video of this. There's a deer running on the river of Tequamanon Falls. I don't know the name of the river. It might be the Tequamanon yeah, River, know. I'm guessing. I'm but not sure. Anyway, it's running in the river, and this woman is like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? And it run, the deer runs all the way to the falls and, and stops when it realizes it's a waterfall, but the rush of the water pushes this deer <laughs> off Tequamanon oh, Falls. no. And it's like a large, like it would hurt. Yeah, you might not. Oh, yeah, you yeah, might yeah. not make it. Yeah, and it's like this fawn-sized deer. Did it? Oh, I don't know. The video oh, just like no. the video just stops. Yeah, huh. a good one, cliffhanger. That's crazy. Uh, it's immediately what I thought of. I just <laughs> I have to find it and with Craig's help, obviously. Yeah. But Let's see if we can throw. Yeah, it on the it's ground. hilarious. Nice. Um, yeah, and then the a few other ones. I mean. We talked about this is kind of my idea. I don't know if they're going to necessarily go along with it, but do a miserable trip where we do like two or three days in the Everglades in like August where it's like hot and buggy and miserable and um, then do like three days at like an all-inclusive resort where we can like relax, re- recuperate. I think there's something to be said about being uncomfortable and miserable. So that's go to Death we, Valley, dude. Uh, that's a that's a lot right now. I don't know. Death but, Valley is yeah. amazing, though. Yeah, it's like a different animal. Right. I don't know. Like, I I lean away from even like Utah. No, dude. I've hiked in Canyonlands, Moab, BLM land. But it's just you got like the water, the water issue. You got to nope. carry it, and it's not that bad. It'll it's, be a, a new adventure I'll have to yeah, learn about and embark on. Yeah, I've done that one uh, uh, two times Yeah, in two different parts of Utah and highly recommend. Mm. Utah is I've, very I've, yeah, doable. I've heard good things. I just like it. It's Especially a, like there's known, rivers in you know? Utah. It's not yeah, like. I, no, I know. <laughs> it's not like water is I zero. <laughs> I know. But still. Yeah. So those are kind of the ones. We're not sure what we're doing next year. We'll probably, you know, probably this winter as I get bored and you know, I still have two more trips on the board for this year as those are kind of come and pass come and go all. Uh, what, what we really start. need to do is you and I 
go on a trip. Yeah. And we record. Oh yeah, live. Out there. Yeah. Well, it's not live. Well, like on in site. the field. In, yeah. yeah, we record in the field. Yeah. In that's the what field. we. That's what we need to plan. For sure. For sure. I'm down. Well, we're kind of getting to the end of our time here, um, so we'll kind of wrap it up. And this has been fun. It's been fun to kind of share my experience. Um, yeah. I'm going to be sharing all the pictures once this comes out and whatnot so I can you guys can kind of see what I'm talking about. Both on the Michigan's Instagram yep. and the yep. Around the Campfire and Michigan's pod. has kind of had a few sneak peeks released out there because I, I couldn't hold back. Um, so check those out. And then um, I'll probably, probably do a story or whatever of, of some of the other – and you know he's gonna do a live actually <laughs> for sure and maybe you know maybe even i'll do a a route review where i go through the map and kind of show yeah do you remember did. the the name of the route you did uh it's not doesn't necessarily have a, la- a name we started in vermilion lake which is a huge lake into trout lake and then we went to cummings lake into corb lake into little crab lake into crab lake okay. and then out through crab lake I'm actually looking at a map right now, yeah. and I see Crab Lake. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So it doesn't have to have a name. We got that route from an outfitter, um, but yeah. So yeah, that was my Boundary Waters experience. It was a ton of fun. Definitely going to go back. Definitely recommend. And yeah, other than that, uh, a few few last-minute things. Um, if you have any stories, if you have anything you want to share, any comments, please, please send them our way. You can DM us them on Instagram or individually through texts or facebook you can find us at i'm michigan's spelled like michigan but ains with a z and mine is first underscore last name devin underscore calero yeah and not then first last around the campfire pod on instagram as well as our email is the around the campfire podcast at gmail.com it's convoluted seth made it yep it's long good luck typing it in it is i already regret it so yeah yeah, send us some stories. We'd love to share them. Yeah. Seth has a very and actually infectious way of telling stories that is fantastic. The the last thing I kind of want to share here is um, somebody texted me. They listened to last week's or the first week's and shared a story. We shared the story of the blob and the bear yeah. and whatnot, and you kind of had your mountain lion fantasy. And she told me that her dad, her name's Catherine, I actually went on the trip with her to Colorado where the trailer came unhooked. If you okay. don't know what I'm talking about, listen to episode two. She was on that trip. That's where I met her. Her name's Catherine. Um, she said her dad wants to die by covering himself in bacon and letting a bear eat him just for the story that could tell the grandkids. So he means like at, when he's like, no, he's, you know, he's lived his life. He's old. He's about to die. That's how he wants to go out. That and is. so I just wanted to share that we're not the crazy ones, or at least the only crazy ones in this world. Of course not. Even even dads want to, you know, something about wild animals. It feels primitive. It feels right. It, so It really does. Yeah. I was just talking to my friend today. His name is Johnny, uh, different than your friend Johnny. And mm. he um, uh, was like, hey, I want to I wanna share my story about backpacking or hiking slash camping in Honduras and then almost getting eaten by cows. Wow, cows. That's all he gave me. I think cows are more of a herbivore, are they not? Maybe maybe gotta have, maybe in the States. Yeah, maybe in the States. So Honduras is Johnny, breed. if you're listening, um 
I will come find you and I'll get the story from you and then we'll share it here on the podcast because my interest meter is peaked. Yeah, definitely peaked. So for sure. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys. It's been really fun. And uh, we'll see you next week. Join us around the campfire every Wednesday. Yeah, and I think Seth is um, going to talk about, I think, Loch Ness of the Boundary Waters, yeah, right? Yeah, they have their own little, like, mythical Loch Ness, and we yeah. actually had a... Saw it, right? Well, yeah. It, no spoilers, but definitely you're going to want to hear, oh, Nelly. Nelly. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Nelly. Just Not like the... the just like the artists from the 90s to yep. early 2000s. Yep. You're going to want to hear about Nelly. Anyway. So, tune in next week for that. Thanks for joining on uh, episode three. Uh, we'll see you next week on the campfire. See you guys. Mm-hmm.